So welcome to the new series, a uh, very exciting series, Getting Married, staying, staying Married, we call it, and there's a reason for that. We are going to be uh, delving into the sugya of uh, character building what's necessary for marriage and for life in general, of course, because everything that we learn about applies in so many different situations. You know, this is a little bit of a hagdama, and much of today is going to really be a hagdama, an introduction into what we are going to be discussing the next few weeks in the next coming parts of the series. So we have to understand that the purpose of the world and the purpose of us coming down to the world, says the Vilna Goin, is to overcome problems, is to become a greater person, a more connected person to Masakin Amidus. And the only place in the world that does not have problems is the Beisolem, is the cemetery. That's the only place in the world that has no problems and most people don't want to be there. This world, this world is about solving problems. This world is about fixing a person's self to better himself in order to reach the next world. And we grow. We have problems. We're given problems for a reason because we are able to grow from those problems. We become stronger people. We become greater people more connected as well through the problems that we experience in our lives. And we're living also in a generation where it's so easy to simply, if you don't like something, you return it to Amazon, or if it's not even worth the hassle, you chuck it in the garbage and get a new one. Now, that's all very nice when you're dealing with maybe a pair of headphones, but when you're dealing with a job or a spouse, then obviously things can get very, very complicated. There's a halacha when a person goes out to war, so when you encircle the army, the halacha is that you're not allowed to circle the army completely from all, for the enemy from all sides. That means when you're going over to the other side, you cannot go over and completely circle the enemy from all four sides, giving them no place to escape. So someone has say the reason for that halacha is it's an expression of mercy. Don't give them no opportunity of escape. Give them at least some Pesach, some entrance, some way that they are able to get out. But others learn differently. I think something that we can learn from. And that is that it's a strategy of war itself. And that is when the enemy knows that he can escape, then he doesn't put up such a fight. Because he knows, I can always escape. I can always go that way. I can always go that way. I can figure it out. So I don't have to put up such a fight. But if you know that you are surrounded by all four sides and there is nowhere for you to go, you are going to put up the greatest fight. You are going to try every avenue to make sure that you are successful. We live in a society where people, before getting married, have already investigated all the escape routes. They know which way out. They know which way is the best way out. And therefore, when things get tough, when challenges come their way... They just take the closest and easiest way out because they've already investigated the rule out. Whereas, whereas if a person feels that he's been surrounded by all four sides, he's boxed in, he knows that he has to make this work. This has to happen. So then he's going to give it his greatest shot. He's going to give the greatest fight. He's going to make sure that it becomes successful. And that's something that we're going to learn in the next few weeks. I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm not trying to give anyone the wrong impression. But what I do want to do is prepare everyone. And this applies if you're thinking about getting married, 
or if you're even not thinking about getting married, and somebody even asks, like, what, what are you giving this for? The younger boys, what do they need to know this for? And the answer is, because this is something that every single person needs to work on, if one day he intends on getting married. And even if you are married, this is something you also need to work on constantly, all the time, to make sure that we're in check with reality, and we know which direction we're going. So, I want to come from a slightly different perspective. A lot of people probably came this evening thinking that they're going to hear about dating and about what to look for and going out and dates. That's a different series, maybe a different time, but not for now. What we're doing over here is something much more basic. Something much more basic, but yet probably something much more important than going on dating and simply starting to date and look, look, you know, looking for the girl that you're looking to marry. What we're, what we're trying to see over here is there are tests. Tests come up all time, all the time in life, wherever we are, whatever we do, there are tests, right? And Mr. Shama says it clearly, everything's in the sign, we just have to know how to deal with it. When it comes to marriage, it's no different to anything else. If we are prepared with what is going to be, and we come already prepared with the tools, how to work on ourselves to become that best person, to become that prepared person, to become that person that can overcome the challenges, that can work on the challenges, then that changes completely the whole perspective of marriage and the relationship in general. Now, in previous generations, any training or hashkafa in marriage in general was given at home, is what you saw at home, and that was all they needed, and that was sufficient. Reb Chaim Friedland, has a beautiful contrast on dating and marriage. And he explains that in our times, in our generation, that is no longer sufficient. And he insists that we have formal guidelines uh, in this exact area. In fact, I recently heard a uh, share by someone that were talking about marriage and what's going on in the generation. They were saying that they felt very much that the yeshivas and maybe even the seminaries are not preparing the boys and the girls for what could be coming up in marriage. They're not prepared for the challenges. They're not prepared for what it takes. And therefore, when something comes their way, they melt down. They don't know what to do and they don't know where to turn. That's why it's important for a person to be very well prepared. Our youth are not used to dealing with problems. They're not interested. They'd run away from problems. They shut down from problems. And therefore, we have to learn how to tackle and deal with problems. If we are fully equipped to withhold the difficulties, the challenges that come up in life in general, and of course, obviously, in marriage as well, you know, then we could have a stand a much better chance of keeping things fresh, keeping things besimcha, keeping things good. We're living in times where everything has to be quick and... Um, Sometimes we don't give it the chance that we should. I've had couples come to me after the wedding, sometimes a few weeks, and they're like, I married the wrong girl. This is just, this is just not for me. So much so that sometimes I'll even tell a chassan, where before he gets married, I want you to know something. Don't get scared. But there may be a day that you wake up in the morning, whether it's a week later, a month later, or even a year later, and you'll be like, I think I've married the wrong girl. And they're like, why, why are you scaring me? Why, why are you telling me this? And the answer is, I'm not trying to scare you. I just want to give you a situation that may come up, because if it does come up, then you know that it's normal, and you know that it can be dealt with, and you know that it's, it's, it's something that happens to many, many people. So we have to learn the tools to deal with so many of the challenges, again, in life, and for sure when it comes to marriage as well. And we're going to be speaking about some of the basic things, whether it's communication, 
whether it's an idea of self-esteem, whether it's an idea of gratitude, whether it's an idea of expressing ourselves, something that men find a very difficult thing to do in many times, and women struggle with this. These are things and tools that we can learn on a weekly basis to improve our chances and giving us the greatest thing in the world. Somebody asked me today, is marriage be'etzem good? Or is it something that sometimes it is, sometimes it's not? The answer is, and you'll ask anyone that's really happily married, marriage is the greatest thing in the entire world. It's the greatest feeling in the world. It's the greatest satisfaction in the world. But it takes work. And only when you go through the work do you experience the satisfaction, the exact uh, I, I, the happiness, the simcha, the shlemus, the completion of what marriage has to offer. As I said, a disclaimer, we're not discussing shidduchim in the sense of dates and what to look for. That's a whole different series. We're here, we're talking about personal growth. If we are solid from the inside, if we learn, and we've discussed this last year when we discussed a little bit of the seven habits, if we learn from the inside to change ourselves, to make ourselves stronger people, then automatically we've developed our character, which brings us better people and through that we can become a much better partner for marriage as well and it's an idea because sometimes we don't even know ourselves I once heard some Yid was asked a question if you had an opportunity to meet anyone you wanted from Odom Arishan until today you can meet whoever you want you can pick anyone in the history of Kralisrael in the history of the world from my Sibiratius who would you choose to meet and he was expecting Avramovinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, David Amelech, some Soifer, the Bolshemtov, someone. You know what he said? He said, I'd like to meet myself. And the question was like, what does that mean? He's like, many people don't even know themselves. And many people are not even comfortable with themselves. It's so easy when we interact with other people to like other people, to know other people, to talk to other people, because we're not looking and knowing ourselves. Rabbi Tversky, Zatzal, uh, wrote, I think it was about 65 or 85 books, whatever it was, and he said that all the books that he wrote were basically one book in about 65 different parts. And the, the, the idea that he wrote was on self-esteem. That was pretty much the common denominator, the Tzadashov of all of his books, in different storylines, different ideas, different headlines, whatever. And he explained why. He said about himself that years before, when he was a doctor and he was already he had a practice and people were coming to him, he was given the opportunity to go to a spa. And it was very exciting because he was so busy and life was busy and life is, you know, we've got the phone and the emails and everything's busy. When you go to this spa, you can't be on the phone, no computer, you're disconnected from the whole world. It's you and yourself, you're relaxing and enjoying. And he was so excited to spend a few days by himself, quiet, relaxing, with no one else there to distract him. He was very, very excited. You can't even bring a book to read, nothing. You have to sit there in your own thoughts. Came the first day, he was talking about his own experiences. He's sitting there on the first day and he's relaxing and he sits down and he's like, this is just Ganadin. This is beautiful. No phone ringing, no emails to do, no one to see. This is wonderful. And he said after about an hour and a half, he couldn't take it because he was alone with himself. And he realized, even a yid like that, that he wasn't comfortable with who he is. And therefore, sometimes we have to get in touch with our own emotions. We have to know who we are, what we're capable of doing, what we have the power to do, and how we can change ourselves, which makes so much of a difference. So that's just a little bit of a hagdama. I want to talk now a little bit, let's go back in history. Because before we talk about marriage and things that could come up and how to deal with it and the tools to, re- to receive to make sure that we know what we're doing, let's go back to the very first person 
Let's go back to the very first marriage and see what does the Torah look at marriage and what does the Torah define as someone to look for in a good marriage. Every person we know is created with Salam Alekim. In the Rabbani Shalom, in God's image, sometimes we don't realize it and sometimes we only realize it when we get married. They always say you can fool the world, but you cannot fool your wife. Your wife knows you better than anybody else. You can't fool anybody. And therefore... Sometimes a person doesn't realize his true value, his true worth, his true self, his true tzalem alikim, until he is married and until he's reached that shleim. As Chazal tell us, that a person is not shalem, is not complete until he's married. We have to discuss that. So there's an incompletion of every single person before HaKadosh Baruch Hu created Chaba. Odom is described in the Torah very clearly as loy toiv. Not good, loy toiv yes, Odom levada, it's not good for a man to be alone. Only when Odom and Chava had this connection that they had a creation and they were married, they attained this level of good because there was a completion. And a completion can only be attained when you have someone to work with. When you have someone that's sometimes showing you some of your character traits that might not be so nice that nobody else is going to tell you. Maybe no one else is even going to notice. Maybe you've hidden it in a deep, dark secret in the inside of your guf for many, many years. These things will come out in marriage and therefore the completion happens when a person works on himself and a person works and strives towards becoming a better person and that happens through marriage. When preparing for marriage, let's look at the Torah's idea of what it means to look for a good girl. What it means to look for a partner in marriage. Who is going to help us become that perfect person? The person that we're looking to do. We look no further than obviously the Ovis Akdoshim, the Ovis Avram, Yitzhak and Yaakov, to see what was an important factor in finding a Shidduch. The Torah tells us that when Avram Avinu wanted and called Eliezer to find a Shidduch for Avram's son Yitzchak, he made him swear that he would take a wife for Yitzchak from Avram's own family in Choron, right? Which obviously is an interesting question. And the interesting question is, why did Avram Avinu choose a wife for his son Yitzchak from Choron, his birthplace? The Ramban tells us clearly that Avram Avinu had tens of thousands of Talmidim. There weren't some Talmidim. These are Talmidim that he imbued within them tremendous emunah in the Rabbi Shalom. These people had such emunah in Hashem. They were amazing people. There were a bunch of tens of thousands of Talmidim Avram Avinu had. But he didn't choose any of them. He chose specifically, after painstakingly building a community of Choshevi people that were, you know, a maimon in the Rabbi Shalom. But when it came for a wife for his son Yitzchak, he did not choose within his community, but rather from Choron. And these people were over the these people were worshipping idols over here. The Torah clearly says that when Eliezer arrived at the house of Lavan, they had to clear off all the idols so Eliezer could even enter the house. And this is the house that Avram Avinu decided to take a wife for his son Yitzchak. What type of shidduch could this be? What's going on? Ramatisho Solomon, Shlita brings down this question and he answers with an Abarbanel. And he brings the Abarbanel to explain that the family of Avram Avinu were over that void they worshipped idols, but they had a possession in them which was unlike any other, and that was Midas Tavis. They possessed incredible character traits. And these positive character traits which were in their blood, which was what Avram Avinu was looking for, and that came over even over the Bodhisattva. This was the trait that Avram Avinu was looking for in his own descendants. Yes, he had a whole community of Maminim, Bere Maminim. They believed in the Rabbi Nishlonim, Bermuna Shlema. 
But that doesn't mean you have good, good midas. You could be the greatest maimon in the world of the Rabbi Shlalem. But if you don't have good midas, it means nothing. Avraham Avinu was looking for people that within their blood was good midas. Because midas is everything. I remember calling my Rosh Hashiva of Scheinberg, Zatzal, just before I started going on Shidduch dates, and I asked him, Rebbe, what should I look for? What, what, did, what am I looking for? What is, you know, I'm starting to date and you're going out, you don't know what to look for, things are unclear. What is the character trait that I should be looking for? And Yushayimek had, had, had counseled hundreds and thousands of couples over all the years. He had a tremendous amount of experience in a lot of this. And Yushayimek told me clearly, there is only one thing, and that is Midas Tavis. If you find a girl that's got good character traits, a good Midas, everything else will fall through. Everything else will be fine. Everything else will connect. You just have to find the girl with good midas. She hasn't got this, she hasn't got that. It's all irrelevant. Midas tevis. That's what it's all about. And I see myself so often in people's marriages that when the midas are not there, everything falls flat. Everything collapses. He'd be the great guy. He's got a great panasa. He's a charming guy. All the wonderful minors in the world. But without the midas, it's not there. And if we don't work on the midas now, Rabbi Sai, again, I can't stress this enough. It takes time. It's not something that the moment you get engaged, it's like, Rebbe, teach me what to do. It doesn't happen. This is years of work. It's a long time. You may not even reach the perfection that you're going to or want to by the time you get married. It's a continuous, continuous journey your whole life. But as long as you're on the journey, as long as you're trying, then you will get there and you will become that greater spouse that you possibly can be. And that's very, very important. Rashi tells us, when the Torah says it's not good for man to be alone, I'm going to make him a helpmate opposite him. Says Rashi, you know why? Because I don't want a man to think that there are two authorities. There's the Rabbi up there, and there's the human being down over here that has all the power. Rashi seems to imply that if the Rabbi would have not created a partner for man, he would not have had to get married, then he would assume that he's all capable of doing everything. He can shoulder all the responsibility. He can do everything he needs to do. And therefore will not be dependent on somebody else. And the Rabbanish specifically did not want to create a world with that in the world. Simply because if we have that, then every man will feel that he is the authority. Rashi is saying no. A person would possess, have all the greatest capabilities but he thinks he's a yachid ba'ilamai, a single power in the world. A man has to realize he can't do everything on his own. He needs somebody else. And that's a big thing, by the way. We'll talk about it, maybe we'll talk about vulnerability, which is something very, very big in marriage, to be vulnerable. It's very hard for men to be vulnerable, but it's a very, very important idea and trait in a marriage to make it work. A person has to realize he can't do things on his own. He needs the help of somebody else. And the Rabbi Shem specifically said that it's not good for man to be alone. You need You need somebody to help you. You need somebody to be with you. And that's what the Apostle is telling us. It's not good for man to be alone. In 1989, it was published a book. We spoke about it a lot last year. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. At the time, it sold over 12 million copies. By now, it's over 40 million copies. And it's interesting how it became so popular. It became popular, Stephen Covey wrote it, simply because he understood the need that people were looking for self-improvement. People were looking to become better people. And there were other books at the time that we spoke about also as well last year. Other books of how to get what you want, how to influence people to in order to get the decisions that you want. But the truth is, life is not about trying to get what you want. 
That's not real life. That's not the ability to be able to do something successfully. The ability to do something successfully is very simple. When a person works on himself, when a person works from within and becomes the right person and he's changed himself and it's difficult, it's not easy for a person to change himself, then automatically he becomes an amazing candidate for marriage in that case. The Oren, we are told by the Torah, clearly had three layers. The outer layer of the Oren was gold. Then the middle layer was wood. And the layer in that was gold. And the question the Mepharshim asks is, if on the inside was gold and the outside was gold, nobody even sees the wood. So what was the purpose of having wood? And I'm not going into the whole thing right now, but the Mepharshim explained that wood is something that grows. It can grow if it's given the ability to grow. If it's given the right environment, if it's given the right atmosphere around it, everything, everything is right, it can grow. But on the other hand, wood can also decay. It can also go moldy, it can also go bad. Gold is something solid. The outer layer of gold of the Oren represents our guf, our body. The inner layer of gold is our pure neshama that can never be touched. Whatever we do, it always remains pure gold. It always remains pure. The wood is our emotions. The wood is our thought process. The wood is what goes on inside our body. We have a choice. Either we can nurture it, either we can work it in the right way with the right environment, with the right tools, and make it grow into a beautiful tree, or we can just neglect it and cause it to decay. And if that happens, that is the Oren, and that represents Apikabola, the gulf of a human being, and therefore we have to realize that this is something very, very important. Real character change and development can only happen with relationship and challenge with friction. And this is something that people don't realize. People often ask, why am I going through this challenge? I've heard this so many times, whether it's for married people or just regular situations. Why am I going through this challenge? Why is the Rabbi Shalom doing this to me? And it's obvious, as I told you from the Messiah Shalom, call in Yoni Olam Nisayin Everything's in a sign. Lashon Nisayin, the Ramban by Avram Avinu, is Lashon of a person can rise up. Because every challenge is an opportunity. And therefore, the only way that the Rabbi Nishlam saw fit that a person can fulfill his tachlis in this world, which is the Masak and is through marriage. Because marriage brings within it another person. And this is another person that doesn't think like you, that doesn't talk like you, that doesn't have the same opinions as you, that doesn't have the same likes as you. She's completely different to you. And you have to learn to live with that and you have to learn to work with that. That is the greatest way that a person can ever grow. And as I said, that it's connected, meaning the Rabbi Nishlam is creating a relationship that will allow you to work on yourself to become complete. But it will only work if she's connected. It will only work if she's opposite you. If she's not the same as you, if every person would just marry a mirror image of himself, then he would never work on himself. He would never become a better person. He would never change in any way. The moment you marry a, a, a woman that is completely different, and by definition, Every woman is completely different. Even if she grew up in the same community as you. Kol Shikane, if she grew up in a different community, in a different country, in a different language, whatever it may be, then it changes everything. And that, says the Rabbi Nishlanim, is what I want from every person. Because when she is connected, when she is opposite you, that's the Aza, that's the help. That's the way a person can work on himself. The definition of Shana Rishana, by the way, is the definition of realizing how different she is to you. You know, a couple, when they get engaged, are so excited. Oh, we're so, so we're so similar. We, 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 we like the same ice cream flavor. We're so similar. It's great. It's wonderful. Little do they realize what's to come. And that's what Shana Rishona is. Shana Rishona is the ability to realize how different we are, but that's okay. Because that's what's going to make me work. 
That's what's going to make me become a different person. I told a couple recently, they're going through very, very difficult times right now. I said to them, I'm telling you now, if you work on yourself right now, your marriage will be stronger than any other marriage because you worked on it, because you tried, and because you went through this challenge. That's what it's all about. There's a Modica Medrash. The Medrash tells us, when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to get the Torah, the Malachim said, what is Moshe Rabbeinu doing over here? Why is this human being, tells us the Gemara, coming here to get the Torah? It doesn't belong to him. And the Rabbi Nisham told him, told the Malachim, he's coming to get the Torah, to go down and bring it to Klali Saul. What was Moshe Rabbeinu's answer to the Malachim? Moshe Rabbeinu says, listen to this. I looked at this Torah. It says over here, don't steal. So he said to the Malachim, tell me something, you Malachim. Do you have a tithe to steal? No. It says over here, right, to mechabad your parents. Tell me something, Malachim. Do you have a tithe not to mechabad your parents? No. And he went through one by one, jealousy, everything else. And he said, you guys... It's not the gay to you. The Torah here is not for you. And the question obviously is, it's a wonderful answer, and because of that, Moshe Rabbeinu got the Torah. But what was Moshe Rabbeinu saying? What was in essence Moshe Rabbeinu's conversation with the Malachim? You know what it was? It was very simple. The Torah was not given to Malachim. It was not given for people that didn't have the Yitzhahara. It was given to human beings. Because human beings have a Yitzhahara. Human beings have challenges. Human beings have hardships. And that's who the Torah was given to, to be able to overcome those hardships, to be able to overcome those challenges. And that is exactly the relationship that the Rabban Shem is telling us to be. That we have to know that when we enter a relationship, whether it's with our friends, whether it's with a wife, with anyone, we have to realize every relationship comes with certain strains, with certain personality differences. It's those differences that make us grow. It's those differences that make us deaf different people. And I just want to end with one small nakuda, which we're going to work with as well. And that is something that also we have to understand in every relationship, and especially when it comes to a marriage, is that is understand where someone else is coming from. Understand somebody else's perspective. You know, so often people complain, I don't know where she's coming from, I don't know where he's coming from, he comes azoi, she comes azoi. It, it's incredible when you hear these things, but it's so important to understand where someone else is coming from, and this is something that you can work on now. I want to give you a, a little bit of an exercise that you can work on now until next week when we discuss a little bit of a different topic. Stephen Covey gives this incredible example. And he says, imagine if a person walks into an optometrist. He walks into an eye doctor. And he says, I have a problem with my eyes. I'm not seeing so well. Could you help me? So the doctor says, sure, no problem. He takes a look at his eyes. Then the doctor takes off his own glasses. And he gives it to the guy. He says, hey, try this. So the guy puts on the glasses. And says, oh, whoa, that's, that's terrible. No, no, no. This doesn't work. So the doctor says, excuse me. I've worn these glasses for the last 16 years. These are amazing. Of course they'll work. What's the problem? Now, it doesn't make any sense. But you know something? We do the same thing. We look at everyone else with our glasses. We look at everyone else with our perspective. And therefore, we have to learn that everyone's coming from a different perspective. And once we learn this incredible, incredible idea that everyone's coming from a different perspective, then we will realize that the greatest need of a human being is to be understood. That is the greatest need of a human being, to be understood. When you don't understand someone's perspective, you can never understand them. And if you can't understand them, you will never feel, never fulfill their greatest need. The difference between a human being and an animal, Chazal Telas, is very simple. Says a human being is a medaber. We can speak, we can express ourselves. But we can only express ourselves if somebody wants to listen, if someone understands, if someone hears us and really understands us. An animal cannot speak. An animal 
puts out signals. When an animal is hungry, he sends out signals, I am hungry. And all the animals in the area know, oh gosh, we better get out of here because this animal is hungry. A human being has the ability to speak, has the ability to express itself, and therefore has the ability to be understood as well. We have to learn how to listen. And that's a very big yesod in marriage. Have you ever experienced the following? That somebody is talking to you. And as they're talking to you, you're not even listening to them. You're already formulating the answer that you're going to say. You're just waiting for them to finish because you're being polite. You're not really listening to them. They get it. They understand that. They saw it. They saw that you're not interested. It's something that we have to work on. To learn to look at someone else's perspective and learn to understand where somebody else is coming from. It's a great, great tool when it comes to all relationships and when it comes to marriage in general. In Mitzvah Shem next week, we'll continue with the next topic.